Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. So, I always, for those who weren't here last week, little 15-second intro. Last week we talked about the beauty of small. We talked about the beauty of being a small congregation and doing small well. We talked, thank you, Boaz. We talked about the importance of figuring out what you do well and then doing it really well. And we talked about shooting our arrows on the wall, drawing bullseyes around that. And we talked about what we do well right now. And the first thing we do well is that we're really nice. We're good people. We have a good congregation of fellowship and family and community. And we have oneg and and we have hospitality. And we do that really well. And you could say every congregation does that well. Well, they don't all do that well. We do, and it's a blessing. The other thing we talked about was education. Education, teaching as a, as a pillar, and I suggested that you will see even more of that as we begin to emphasize the importance of education and teaching. And to that, someone can respond and probably did, that's boring, Like, what about, what about the exciting stuff? Discipleship, evangelism, heaven, salvation, Yeshua. What about those kind of things? Like, those are, those are really, can, can we really see education as, as equal to, to preaching the gospel? And my answer to that is no, we can't. We cannot see education as equal to that, not if we accept the call of discipleship, that is to teach and make others disciples, and we can accept it as equal if we accept the authentic gospel message. What we can say is that no, education's not equal to those things. It far exceeds them in importance, actually. And someone can respond, you're a heretic. What are you talking about? More important than the gospel? No, here's my point. Within teaching is discipleship, is the truth, is salvation, is evangelism, is the mission, is the kingdom. All of it is contained within that. And so today what I want to do is talk about keys. And how I want to do that is I want to use uh, a a very familiar Jewish form of education to, to communicate this. That is, read something that somebody smarter than you wrote and taught one time and then copy it exactly and teach it to other people. So where is my inspiration? My first inspiration, my first teacher is, of course, our great teacher, our master, Yeshua the Messiah who was our, is our rabbi. He taught 
In the New Testament, the apostolic scriptures, the gospels he taught. I'm also not quite on the same level for sure, but I'm going to borrow some stuff from Toby Janicki as well, because he did a really, really great teaching on something that I want to talk about today, keys. And we talked about our arrows and education and pillars and all that. I'm going to call them keys. But where I want to start is in the book of Matityahu, Matthew chapter 16, because Peter is actually our starting point today. Peter, the first pope. <clears throat> Peter is an awesome guy. Awesome guy. Uh, and, and, and not perfect, which actually makes him all the more awesome because we can totally relate with him. So Peter, you know, he had some challenges. He, he, he de-eared somebody. He cut off an ear. He denied Yeshua. He lied about it. Then he was pretty much ready to just throw in the towel. I'm going fishing. I don't need this garbage anymore. But man, he had a recovery, didn't he? Yeshua certainly thought so. Because he gave him something. He gave him something or, or, or the promise of something that he was going to give. Who can tell me what Yeshua said he was giving to Peter? The keys to the kingdom of heaven. The keys to the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 16. <clears throat> Well, that's not Matthew 16. That's another. From that time on, Yeshua began telling his disciples. No, I'm sorry. That's not what I want to read. What do I want to read from Matthew 16? <clears throat> when Yeshua came to the area of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, what do, what do sons of men say about me? Strange way of phrasing that. What do sons of men say about me? Who is the son of man? They said, some say he's Yochanan the Immerser, some say Eliyahu, some say Yermayahu, others or one of the prophets. He said to them, but as for you, what do you say about me? Who am I? Shimon Petrus answered, you are the Mashiach, the son of the living God, he answered and said to him, Oh, your gladness, Shimon Baryona. For flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Petros, and upon this rock I will build my community. You read that in church in almost every other translation. It's not church, it's ecclesia, it's community. And the gates of Sheol will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And all that you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. And all that you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. And so, Peter gets this gift. A new car. No, it's not a new car, but it's keys to a vehicle. Now, the keys to the kingdom of, of heaven. Because Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of, Kevin, of heaven, now you have, one time I, I was singing a song called, what, Miranda, what was the song called? Yeah, yeah. There's no, no pain 
that heaven can heal, and I was singing it, and I was so into it, and I said, there is no pain that Kevin can heal. (laughs) What's great about that is that the counseling center right over here is run by Kevin Daniel. So if you really need, there's no pain Kevin can heal. Miranda has never let me forget that I sang about Kevin that day. We don't have any Kevins in here, so that, that we'll have to get one. Um, he'll be very popular in here. He'll never be able to leave. Everybody will always be talking to Kevin. What we have, because Peter has the keys or has been promised the keys to the kingdom of heaven, what you have now is, is the beginning of hundreds of great jokes. Some clean, some dirty. So this guy dies and he goes up to heaven. He's standing at the pearly gates and who's there? Peter's there. Saint Peter's there, the first pope, right? Why is Saint Peter there? It's obvious because Yeshua gave him the keys and made him heaven's bouncer. You can't get in unless you're tight with Kepha. <laughs> Joking aside, this is actually the beginning of the concept of what is called papal primacy. Any Catholics? Any from a Catholic background? Papal primacy. Peter was martyred in Rome, right? And he died, and that's where Peter was working hard to set up the church, and he established the church. And since he had the keys to the kingdom of heaven, now, because Peter was the first guy, everybody who comes after him who's a pope metaphorically gets these keys as well. And so that's the establishment of the popehood, or whatever it's called, the popacy. Papal papal primacy, that popes can can rule the church because they're connected to Peter who got the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, okay, we are in big trouble then because when we get up to the pearly gates and Bouncer Kepha's there and we say we'd like to come in, we can't go because we're not Catholic, That's a problem for us if that's what that actually means. And of course, it does not mean that. What does, first of all, the kingdom of heaven even mean? Because we need to understand and define that in order to know what these keys do. And so what is the kingdom of heaven? Is kingdom of heaven referring to the place where we all go when we die? No, it's not. I'll just cut to the chase. You can do your own research on that. No, I'm just kidding. I'm going to give you more than that. The kingdom of heaven. I want to illustrate this by looking at two parallel scriptures, one in Matthew 4 and one in Mark 1. Matthew is a book that's, that's written more to a Jewish audience. And in this book, Matthew writes, or whoever wrote Matthew, from that time, Yeshua began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When we go to Mark, we read something different. Why? Mark is written more to a Gentile audience, a Hellenized Jewish audience, and what we read here is, 
Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So in Matthew, we have the kingdom of heaven. In Mark, we have the kingdom of God. Why? Because Matthew's audience knew what he meant. And the term is circumlocution, and you hear it. We say it in our prayers. We don't say the holy name of God. That was said in the, in the temple one time by the, holy, by, the, by the high priest on Yom Kippur. So we say, Baruch Adonai. You hear people say, Hashem. You hear people say, uh, uh, um, any number of things any number of names, and you hear it in a modern context today when someone says, oh, for heaven's sake. When you're talking to someone and they say, oh, for God's sake, is that offensive to you? Does that, you kind of cringe a little bit when someone says that. But this circumlocution idea is how God was referred to in the first century. You didn't say his name. This is a, re, a, a refutation and rebuttal for all sacred name people in the world who believe that you have to say God's holy name. Yeshua didn't say God's holy name and neither did his disciples, neither do Jews today, and neither do we because it's reserved for a special privilege. It's like calling your parents by their first name. You don't do that. I used to and still do quite often to my parents just because we're so tight. <laughs> right, Richard? <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is a reference to the kingdom of God, not a place where we go when we die. But how can that work? Because I thought like, that's where we go. What is the kingdom of God? It's, it's a place. Well, let's look again at our rabbi's teaching. We said it today. Avinu Our Father who art in heaven. So God is somewhere, not here. Right? And, and that place has a name, heaven. There's a, there's a circumlocution in Judaism called hamakom. Jeff Turner, what's hamakom mean? The place. That's another name. So he has, like, there's this designated heaven place. But the, the, the Lord's prayer, the disciples' prayer says, avinu shabashamayim, our father, sha, that, ba, is in shamayim, heaven. Our father, who is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Tavo malchutecha. Future tense, your kingdom come. And then he says, on earth as it is in heaven. So, what are we saying? We're saying that the kingdom of heaven, which is the kingdom of God, is something that is coming here. How do we know that? Jesus told us that. And so do the prophets and a number of other sources that refer to the kingdom of God coming to earth. Now, what will that be when that happens? When the kingdom of God is established on earth and Yeshua is ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, that has another name. Anyone? The Messianic Age. 
So, when the kingdom of God comes to earth as Yeshua is praying, and even the rest of the Lord's prayer where it says, give us this day our daily bread, there's a much better translation that says, give us today the bread of tomorrow, which is actually in reference to the coming kingdom. God, give us a taste today of the kingdom that you will bring to this earth. So we have the kingdom of God coming to earth. Yeshua is the the ushering in of that. Yeshua is the king who will rule and reign from Jerusalem during the messianic reign and ultimately the kingdom of God being realized on earth with the new Jerusalem. So we're sort of talking about a place, but it's not up there. It's down here. It's coming here. And we're all in Yeshua going to be a participant in it. So what we've established now, Peter has the keys. It's not to a car. He's not the bouncer. We know what the kingdom of heaven is. We know what the kingdom of God is. It's tied into Messiah. And he gives Peter keys to the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? Well, the traditional understanding, and it is correct to a certain degree, is that this is authority granted to Peter. Outside of papal primacy and heaven's bouncer and all that other stuff, Peter is granted an authority, and that is represented by these keys. But what is the authority? Well, the scripture goes on to tell us what you bind in heaven shall be, what you bind on earth shall be bound. Do you know what that is? That's rabbi talk. That's rabbinic talk. That's what you bind on. Bind here means to prohibit. Loose means to allow. It's a discussion that you find in multiple Jewish sources about the rabbis coming up with halacha, interpretations of law. So what he's saying is, Peter, I'm giving you this authority through these keys and what you're going to do on earth as the foundation of this community, you're going to have a certain authority. But for most, it stops right there. That's it. I don't think that's a sufficient explanation of what these keys are. To just say authority. We all have a certain degree of authority. Not like Peter, but we have, he had a a unique authority. And when you have a key, a key does something. A key unlocks and opens. The key has power. Peter has been given this key. Not just authority, though. It has, it's a key having something to do with the messianic age, but I'm still confused. So let's get more confusing, because there's another key. Someone tell me about another key that has to do with Yeshua. It has to do with Yeshua's ancestor, actually. His name is in the name of the key. The key of David. Who can explain to me what the key of David is? Anyone ever been confused by this when Yeshua says in Revelation 3, I have the key of David. What I open, 
No one can shut. What I shut, no one can open. The key of David. Here's what, as a musician, what I thought about the key of David and hoped. Leonard Cohen, Jeff Buckley, Lincoln Brewster, you know these names? They all done a version of Lincoln, of, of what's his name? Leonard Cohen, the song called Hallelujah. Well, I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? Well, it goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing hallelujah. God, I'm a musician, I want that key. Everybody loves that song. If that's the key of David, give it to me, I'll be a rich rock and roll star. Problem is, Leonard Cohen doesn't have the key. Lincoln doesn't have the key. Yeshua has the key. And we find that in Revelation, as I said, to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. Right, those are the good people. He's ho- he who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David and opens and no one will shut. We're talking about a key that unlocks the messianic age. And you have all of these connectors in there. David, who is Yeshua? None other than the son of David. So it's not surprising that we find Yeshua, the son of David, which is the other term for one of many terms for Mashiach. And we're talking about him having these keys and he's giving them to Peter, but he's got this other key that's called the key of David, but they do the same thing, which has to do with the kingdom. of They're the same They're one and the same. The key of David is the key to the kingdom of heaven. If we understand this in its messianic Jewish context. So are you thoroughly confused or does this make sense? Thoroughly confused, good. Let me me bring that one more place. Isaiah 22, 22. Where do we first hear of the key of David? Yeah, thank you, Paul. Thank you, Paul. I'm trying to make it easy. Numbers guy back there. Isaiah 22, 22 and 23 says, Then I will set the key of the house of David on his shoulder. When he opens, no one will shut. When he shuts, no one will open. So Isaiah is talking about the key to the house of David. Now he's actually talking about something related to one of Hezekiah's servants named Eliakim. But Yeshua, being Jewish rabbi Midrashic, takes that scripture and applies it to himself. So we can say with confidence that if Yeshua did it and said it, then he has the key of David. Forget about Eliakim for the minute. So we see Isaiah talking about the son of David who is Messiah. And here's the, here's the, here's the confusing progression. It's not confusing. Follow me. Yeshua has the keys to the kingdom of heaven, which are the kingdom of God which enters in to the Messianic age. Messiah is ruling there. The son of David has the key of David, which is the key to the kingdom of heaven, right? 
David's son, messianic age and authority. But what is the key? Because it's still abstract. It's still like, is Peter walking around with a jingly jangly set of keys on his belt waiting? What's that sound? Oh, is that the janitor? No, it's Peter. You can hear him. He's got those keys on his belt all the time. No. So what are the keys? Because if the key of David belongs to the son of David, who is Yeshua, that's not transferable. How can he give that to Peter, who's not the son of David? Now are you confused, Judy? Okay, thank you. That was my goal because I want to bring it all. I told you I'm not a good communicator. Rise to the occasion now with an answer for us, the sages of Judaism, who have spent thousands of years studying and were close to the text. And here is their important interpretation of Isaiah 22, verse 22 and 23. The rabbis interpreted this key as referring to the authority of the rabbis, the teachers of God's word, and here's what it says. A teacher opens a discussion of scripture to fulfill what is said in Isaiah 22, 22. When he opens, no one will shut, and when he shuts, no one will open. So the interpretation is that the key of David is teaching. And simultaneously, the authority to teach. That's from the traditional rabbis who are not Yeshua followers. Notice I didn't say Messiah or, or, or Messianic. They're just not Yeshua. So what we've arrived at here is this very important thing that says, according to the Jewish rabbis, the keys to the house of David represent the power to teach God's word authoritatively, to open and close arguments of scripture, to teach the Bible with authority, which begins to make some sense as to why Yeshua said to Peter, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, what you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Key of David equals the teaching of Yeshua. Oh gosh, Damien, for heaven's sake. That's a stretch, is it? Let's see. Let's go. Just after Yeshua says to Peter, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. What follows in Matthew 16, from that time on, Yeshua began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Dikneo, I'm sorry, Dikneo, to show, to expose to the eyes, metaphorically to give proof or evidence of a thing, to instruct them, to deliver, teaching. And in Mark 8, the parallel passage where we find this, he says, after he's Just this is all happening. He says to Peter, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. It then says in Mark 8, 31, he then began to teach them. 
that the Son of Man must suffer many things, didasco, to teach, to hold discourse with others, to instruct them, to deliver didactic discourse, to be a teacher. Peter, I'm giving you authority. I want you to take my teaching and authoritatively pass it on to others to make disciples. Now, Peter then comes against him when he begins to teach, and that's the famous get behind me Satan part, right? Pete, Pete, Yeshua to Pete, I just gave you the keys and I'm telling you what you need to do with them. Don't come against me already, get behind me Satan. And if that's not enough, let's move forward to Matthew 17. I mean, I'm sorry, Luke 11. They're close. <laughs> Yeshua's talking to the Pharisees, and he says, Woe to you lawyers, for you've taken away the key of knowledge. You yourselves did not enter, and you hindered those who were entering. What does that mean? That means I am here before you. You understand what I'm saying. You should understand what I'm saying. This is the key to the coming messianic age. What I'm telling you, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repair and reconnect to the Torah. Come back here. That's the key. It's Yeshua's instruction that says, how do I get in? Here's the things. And of course, of course, believe in me. Like that's a given. I'm not saying that it's about works or learning or that kind of stuff. What I'm saying is that he's giving us, giving Peter actually, the key. This is what I want you to tell everyone. And does Peter do it? Does he take the key to the kingdom of heaven and unlock the messianic age through Yeshua's teaching? Acts 2, first to the Jews. Acts 10, second to the Gentiles, to Cornelius. Acts 15, still Peter, Jerusalem council. Let's hear your testimony, Peter. Okay, here's what I decide based on what's happening with Peter. Is it real? Does it happen? Absolutely it happens. Yeshua gave him the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And what are they? Yeshua's teaching. The dangerous price of the wrong key is found also in the apostolic scriptures. Matthew 24, our role as educators of messianic Jewish teaching, that means centered on Yeshua as the Messiah, the first century Jewish context, our role is important, very important. It's a 
pillar. It's a key, and here's what happens when it's wrong. And then, Matthew 24, verse 10, many shall be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end shall come. The wrong key is very dangerous. And the Pharisee, the lawyers in this particular instance, you got the wrong key. And you're keeping people from coming in. You're not coming in, and they're not coming in. And operating with the wrong keys. It's not as easy as it thinks. It's as you think. It's not just, well, but I have Yeshua. I have Yeshua. Do you remember that scripture for the people who had Yeshua? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do miracles in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. See, that's important. Because it's more than just saying a prayer. It's a transformation in your life. And the key to that is Yeshua's teaching, which is repent, believe in me, and follow the words of my Father in heaven. I didn't know you because you're doers of lawlessness. You don't have the key. It's the teaching of Yeshua. Now, why is it not boring then that one of our fundamental pillars at Nechamu Ami is education? Because, and that's it, Shabbat Shalom. No, just kidding. No, seriously. That's it. Peter had a certain authority, but you as disciples have been called to teach them how they should go. It's called the Great Commission, and it has the word teach them in it. So, if any were upset by the place I landed last week when we talked about the importance of education... Take that! Shabbat Shalom! No. We have an important calling, my friends. And we will, we will share the keys to the kingdom of heaven, to the glory of Messiah Yeshua, and for the good of the kingdom of God. Amen? Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com.
and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.